welcome back, everybody, or welcome if you're a first-time listener. Prefer not to say, James and Greg back once again, without the technical difficulties this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you noticed, the last episode sounded kind of weird, and uh, what I discovered was it turned out to be my fault, but Greg's audio also ended up in my feed. So in my track, it had both of us, and then he had his solo track. So I had to kind of try to align it, but it still sounded weird. Yeah. I don't I don't know if any of the listeners could tell, but like there are plenty of times where I was like following my own stream of thought in the conversation, and then I was like, wait a minute, what was I saying? Because I'm hearing me. Oh, so it's kinda nice. You like hearing your thoughts as they come out. Yeah. It's it was it was difficult though. <laughs> there are plenty of times where I was like, wait. Okay, now continue talking. <laughs> At least it was kind of like a throwaway episode where, you know. We were like, hey, we're back. I didn't even do any editing. I just threw it in, mixed it down, and uploaded it. Uh, uh, as one does. Not like I do that much intensive editing for the show anyway. It's really just to like kind of like shorten dead space if we have long pauses. But, I mean, sometimes I keep them for, you know. Dramatic effect, yeah. More so for comedy. Especially because oh, yeah. it's like, you know, in the intro, you're just like, there's always the pause before you come and you're like, yeah, we're back. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> I'm not good at intros, man. I just don't know what to say. It's like you're not good at intros, but I like I've become too good at intros. I think it was all the times I gave you nicknames. I think that's what gave me the practice to like come up with good intros because I'd, I'd like come up with the jokes beforehand. Mm, okay, yeah. Like there were so many jokes that like I thought of like in advance. So I was like, I'm gonna say this. It's not a scripted show, but in my brain, I've got some things I'm gonna say. I don't think I have the memory to script anything. This is why I couldn't be an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of acting, that's kind of related to today's topic. So good enough segue with everything kind of going on in the streaming world and how everybody's trying to monopolize it in some way. I figured it'd be a fun time to talk about piracy because everybody's kind of getting ready to load up the V the VPNs and the torrents again. Yes, sir. I I mean, when did we stop though? (laughs) Ah, true. So it, it kind of like, you know, because it really kind of came to head when I saw that Netflix is kind of having a downturn in its success because people are realizing like, hey, aside from just these certain shows that are big, there really isn't a lot there that people want to watch. Like a lot of their original content isn't always the greatest, but also they just lose the license to all the good shows that were on there. Yeah, I mean, they, all the all the good shows that they didn't make that are on there, they end up getting like outbid by the other streaming uh, uh, platforms, and it just winds up being there instead of Netflix. Like, really, all Netflix has is the originals, and like, with only a handful of them being good, and typically Netflix dropping all of them in one go. You know, you just get Netflix for a month, binge it all, and then unsub for the rest of the year. Which now they want to start, you know, breaking it up. Yeah, I saw that too. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna go to a weekly model." It's like, "No, I'll just wait." <laughs> it's still, it's still like binge it all. Well, the crazy thing is, it's not even just like other streaming services bidding for these shows. All the networks are starting their own services and just taking back their catalogs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's just fucking was it C- cable television all over again? Well, it's wild because apparently, well, because. There's also the issue, like, because, you know, it's pretty bit well known in the, you know, media, if you follow it, that uh, there's the whole Discovery Warner Brothers thing. Yeah. Where they're, like merging HBO 
like HBO Max is getting folded into Discovery or the or something or other like that. But there was also news recently that I think if I read it correctly, Hulu's being absorbed into Disney Plus. <laughs> what? Because they already own Hulu, but I think they're going to be combining them or something like that. I don't remember. This isn't like a random TikTok I saw. I haven't done like the full research on it yet, but you know, if this were a couple of years ago, I would have I would have called so much bullshit. But now that like Logan is on Disney Plus, I'm like, yeah, they'll put anything up. Uh, well, it's Fox. Well, because when they acquired Fox, they got to put all that stuff. Because you know, Deadpool's on there now. Yes, sir. And they made it clear that like Deadpool three isn't going to change. It's still going to be rated R and still be Deadpool. Good. If it wasn't, if if it wasn't still violent and terrible and like not for kids, I don't think I would have seen it. The only time I want it not for kids is if they put him in the MCU at some point and it's like he's self-aware and breaks the fourth wall and he gets constantly censored and he just he knows it's happening. So <laughs> he just does the Deadpool thing and just kind of rolls with it. I'll accept that. Yeah. If that's how we water him down so that he can fit in the MCU, then I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I kind of have a love-hate relationship with piracy because like piracy really... For most of us, it kind of started with music. And if you're old enough to remember, I don't know if we have any young listeners listen to us. The, the, the piracy really became a problem to the industry, quote unquote, when Napster hit the scene. Is yes, there? And that was like a that was a culture shock because it was like you know peer to peer file sharing was at that time dial up internet sucked so it took forever but it was like man. You know, when the MP3 happened, it was like, what? We can trade songs on the internet? I mean, sometimes there are viruses, but... <laughs> yes. Sometimes sometimes you click the wrong uh, soundtrack, and then you just brick to the family computer. <laughs> and it caused a big uproar in the industry. Like, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, it's always get memed about how mad Metallica was about piracy. But it was really interesting because... The big thing was like a lot of artists, I mean, artists really don't always make the most money off of music. So it was only taking a bit of money out of their pockets. But there's a big uproar from the major artists. What's really interesting was a lot of the independent artists kind of ran with it. I mean, yeah, it's free distribution of their music. How else are they going to get known? Well, yeah, it was like we don't have the money to like be promoted everywhere like a major artist uh-huh. so now there's this thing it's like okay yeah they're technically stealing our music and we're not getting paid for it but everyone has access to it now yeah i mean that's gonna like if if you if you stole someone's music that's gonna translate to uh you know like uh going to like their concerts and maybe buying merch and stuff like if the actual like music like buying albums was never really the biggest part of their uh their their revenue then like why were they ever worried about it I mean, it was at a time, though, where music sales were pretty big for the big companies. But, yeah, like, a lot of the smaller artists were like, yeah, that was this kind of sucks. But, you know, I was actually listening to um, one of my favorite podcasts, Super Duty Tough Work. They were actually talking about that in one of the episodes on uh, how people will steal music. And then they'll, like, like, make it known to you that they stole it. He's like, yeah, it's like, you'll go to my, they'll go to our shows and be like, we stole your music. It's like, yeah, you bought a ticket to come see us though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You paid to tell, you paid to come see us to tell us you stole our music and to enjoy our show and probably buy all our merch. Yeah. And the ticket's like two to three times as expensive as the album would have been. (laughs) I guess. Thanks for the theft. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's kind of wild. I mean, and you know, I, I was uh, listening to an interview. I think it was a uh, slug from the group Atmosphere. This is an interview I saw years ago, but he was talking about how the big thing, because like, yeah, I mean, piracy, digital piracy was a, a, a big, you know, it's nothing really new because people were, you know, dubbing cassette tapes and stealing music and passing it off to others. But he uh, he was talking about how he misses those days where, you know, you'd get like a mix of music and it might not be your thing, but you appreciate it because someone specifically curated that for you. Like, hey, check out the stuff that I like. You might be interested in it. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's good in concept. Until everyone starts doing it to me, and then I get a bunch of shit I don't care about. <laughs> You're just like, it's too much. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, the streaming era really kind of put an end to piracy because it's really not necessary. I mean, I mean, I was just streaming YouTube. Everybody's music's getting uploaded to YouTube. You can listen to it for free anyway. So, I mean, there's issues with streaming in general, like, you know, but, you know, that, that's a that's a topic for another episode. Now, I, I think the biggest problem was not just music. When movies started getting pirated, that definitely became a big problem because movies are expensive to make. <laughs> and if you cannot recoup that in the theatrical run, you have to do... You know, they had DVD sales, so or VHS back in way back in the day. But once internet, you know, once you had the power to actually do movies, because movies are massive files, that was definitely something that they really took seriously. Like I remember even the VHS days, they had the FBI warning. Oh my god, yeah, I love that. That was like, yeah, this is not for unauthorized uh copying redistribution. It's a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine. Don't do it. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I saw that for the first time on a VHS and I was like, really? Download anyway. <laughs> and then oh and then in the DVD era we got the uh really funny um the piracy uh warning, the you know, you wouldn't steal a car, would you? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah when he's always like <laughs> you wouldn't steal a car you wouldn't steal the lady's purse you wouldn't you wouldn't download a house and it's like bitch yes i would <laughs> are you kidding me you wouldn't download a soup kitchen would you <laughs> i think you're like <laughs> way overestimating my my morality here you know free house yes sir <laughs> i love the download a house meme because it, it, it's the picture of somebody putting a usb drive <laughs> into the usb charging port of the wall it's like you know what's about to go down he's like oh he for the download the whole house <laughs> which is just a step closer to somebody creating the concept for a real life capsule corp yes sir can't wait if I, that's if i survive until that until like Capsule Corp technology is real. I'm going to see if they can put me in a capsule. Oh, that'd be <laughs> wild. <laughs> or just Pokeballs. Well, I mean, could you could you imagine, like, the, the practical applications of that? Like, you, okay, so, like, let's say you're, like, in the military, you know? Because this will get it funded. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, like, in the military and you're trying to, you know, do some, like, covert ops, you have one dude sneak in, then he just pulls out this, you know pocketbook full of capsules and starts pressing the button hucking them instant army like come on now that'd be insane just like a pocket full of soldiers so i think i don't the movie thing was always weird like it was really only if you had a good internet connection but i think it wasn't 
as big of a problem as it got to be at a certain point because I think the accessibility of movies was fairly it was fairly widespread. I mean, you had video stores and they were always fairly cheap to get the newest movies whenever they came out. Uh, movie theaters weren't that expensive like 15 years ago. I remember what was it? Uh, Studio 28 when they had the 450 matinee during the yeah. day. Oh my God, I'm a Studio 28. I'm about to cry. Yeah, a legendary theater. Sadly closed. I was going to say, Studio 28 was like a whole different breed. Like, I would go there not even to see movies, just to hang out with friends. It was an atmosphere. Well, they had an arcade that was yeah. pretty pretty nice. And then, you know, Netflix comes along. You know, they do the mail-order DVDs, which is so weird to think about because it really wasn't that long ago. I mean, they still do it to this day, but it wasn't that long ago that it was like a common thing to just get DVDs in the mail. Yeah, I never, I never like got films or TV shows or anything mailed to me from Netflix. Did you have GameFly? I absolutely had GameFly. <laughs> Boy, you best believe when I was <laughs> when I was a teenager and like I was mowing like the lawn at the place that my mom worked for like twenty five bucks a week. You know, one hundred percent, I had that GameFly subscription and I thought it was the coolest shit, dude. I was like, I don't gotta leave. I can have my video games mailed to me. Tight. $25 a week, bro. Back then, that was like you were a millionaire. I know, dude. I was like rich. I was like buying energy drinks at school and stuff. Thought I was the hot <laughs> shit passing them. I was like, yeah, bro, I got it like that. <laughs> <laughs> and now $25 won't even fill up your gas tank. <laughs> yeah, but for real though, because it's like $25 a week don't sound a lot like a lot until you're like, that's $1,200 a year for a child. <laughs> dude, when I was 15, I had my first job. I made like what was it like 80 something bucks a week maybe i'd put like 50 in the bank or something like that and then keep out 30 and it was like i felt like a king i was buying snacks all the time i bought lunch at school every day oh man Remember i was buying all sorts of wild like stuff quarter? <laughs> oh and it's funny because i worked it it's like i didn't realize how much i amassed i amassed like a couple thousand dollars in my savings and i was just like how did i save so much but then I think about how much everything cost back then, and I'm sad that it was so cheap back then. Yes, sir. But the accessibility of everything, you know, things weren't as expensive as they are now. So it was like piracy wasn't always necessary. It was like mostly a thing to be lazy. And then, you know, I think streaming, the, you know, streaming, I think, especially with movies and TV, I think that made it easier and it lessened piracy because that's the whole point of streaming. They want to lessen the theft, even though their business practices are, are always the greatest. But now we're kind of reverting back to that. Hey, do we need to start stealing everything again? Because everything's getting too complicated. I say, fuck it. Piracy's back on the menu. <clears throat> I've been a big advocate of it, at least in like the, the video game industry for a while now. But it's, a, it's like primarily in response to a lot of shitty business practices. You know, with people making like uh, bait games, you know, essentially because like every uh, every. Uh, what is it? Uh, digital distributor has some sort of like refund policy. You know, it's like within the first 14 days or so, you can uh, play up to like two hours of the game to see if you like it and then refund it. You know, no questions asked. And that just caused all of these developers to make like really good intros to their game. And then just the quality drops off tremendously. It's like, well, I just wasted 60 fucking dollars right there. Or um, what's even more parasitic is the ones that have, have you download a launcher? through like whatever distributor instead of the whole game. And then when you launch that application, it starts that two hour countdown while it's downloading the game. 
to fuck you out of the option of refunding. So I'm like, I'll absolutely steal that shit and try it out before you buy it because they don't do demos enough anymore. Yeah, well, actually, uh, we're actually going to get more into that specific industry in the second half of the episode, but I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, my rule of thumb is if it's art, I'd say support if you can. You know, definitely as an artist myself, especially if it's an independent artist, definitely definitely spend money with them directly if you can. But I'd say um, one of my favorite instances of people kind of taking the whole kind of free-for-everyone approach is uh, rap group Run the Jewels. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me about this. So when they did their first album, so a little backstory, it's uh, Killer Mike and LP, and they had spent the past couple decades up until that point establishing themselves as, like, you know, well-respected rappers, kind of on a more lower scale than major artists. I mean, LP had run a pretty successful indie label that ended up closing in the late 2000s, right before the 2010s. And uh, Killer Mike was actually affiliated with OutKast. Like, he'd collaborate with them. So that's kind of where he you know got big and then um they uh lp ended up producing a full album for killer mike that did really well and then his solo album that was released like a week later did really well and they thought to form a group and when they formed that group they didn't even announce either they just sort of like dropped the album and it was for free they dropped the whole thing for free and it kind of blew up like they it, it did really well and then the next year, so this is 2013, you know, and it was it was just kind of a whole new look and sound for them from what they did individually. So in 2014, they do the second album. They see if lightning will strike twice. So they released it for free again before the official release date. And they're pretty much like, hey, if you like it, buy it or buy our merch or come to our shows. Third album. They drop it on Christmas Eve 2016 before the official release date. <laughs> And then their fourth album, Archie J4, they dropped that in the midst of all the craziness going on during the pandemic and the George Floyd thing. So they were like, you know what? We're dropping it right now. We This is the kind of music we need right now. So they, uh, for their fourth album, dropped it for free. God damn. Every single one of our albums are free. And they still sell. And they get all these shows. They do all these shows. They they play all these festivals. Uh, they're on tour. I don't know if the tour is still going on. They toured with Rage Against the Machine, which, by the way, um, Run the Jewels is literally like the only way we ever hear anything from Zach De La Rocha, the the vocalist from Rage Against the Machine, because he's done three collabs with them. One on their past three. One on each of their past three albums. And he doesn't do anything else. No, because he <laughs> they, like Rage doesn't make any new music, and he still has yet to release a solo album. Well, it's funny because they actually, uh, him and LP have actually been friends for a couple decades. Like when Rage or when Rage broke up, apparently one of the first things he did was actually go to LP's apartment for a month and just worked on music. Well, that's crazy. I I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know there was that connection. But I mean, I don't really know shit about people. Oh yeah, when uh when he did his first appearance on uh Run the Jewels two, uh for the song he did on there. The way it happened was LP was went to like a sandwich shop or something and just happened to see him there. Was like, oh, hey, dude, what's up? It's been a while. You want to come to the studio? <laughs> That's literally how it happened. That's funny. <laughs> but it just goes to show it's like. If you're not just bag chasing, dropping something for free is like could be a great marketing strategy if if yeah, I've always operated on the on the context of like if you're if your product is good. 
whatever you're trying to sell. If it's good, you could give it away and people will still pay for it. Oh yeah. Or like, remember like the, the kind of the early to mid two thousands when it was like the height of the like mixtape era for rappers dropping all these free mixtapes and you could just download them and it was all great. I kind of missed that, uh, that atmosphere when it was like, you know, you just be walking around downtown and somebody would be like, Hey, yo, here's my mixtape. Just give it to you. I'm like, Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, all like right. You, you download it out. It's like the you know, famous rappers were doing it. Your indie local rapper was probably on the street corner, handing out some random CDs. Oh, such a beautiful time. I kind of missed the early two thousands a bit, but then I realized like that had its own problems. But, um, and then movies, I think, unless it's the the corporations that make a bazillion dollars, try to support some movies because there's a lot of cool movies that won't get made if they don't make money. Well, I mean, I say, I say it's like the it's like the same um, same concept across all industries, you know. Like, because I've been in I've been in situations where you know I've just been down hard enough that it's like I can't afford any type of entertainment. Oh, and, right. Like, I feel like entertainment is a necessity in life. If you don't do it, then like, like what's the point of living? You know, if you're just existing to be a drone, you know? So anyways, like I've been in situations where it's like, I I just don't have the money. I'm hurting right now. I'm going to steal some entertainment. But if it's, if it's quality, I always end up coming back when I do have money, be like, all right, time to support this or like buy whatever else they got out because I know they make good stuff. But I feel like that's, that's not specific to any particular industry for me. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, if it's cause it's, you know, it's the thing about money. It's the accessibility, and also if there's financial barriers, like because like like I've always said, it's like that's why the you know movies. It's like tickets should be priced based on runtime, and make it maybe a little bit cheaper than you would a regular ticket, or at least ticket prices now. Because the idea is to make it accessible. Like we don't care about profit margins. <laughs> you want you want the most customers, not the most profit. You know what? It's been 23 minutes, so I think it's a good time for a break. Quick right. water, kind of recharge. So, uh, yeah, if you got that water handy, take that sip. And we're back. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Every time without fail. (laughs) It's because as soon as you're like, we're back, I start thinking, I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't have anything. (laughs) Talking about piracy. Now... You know, there's a lot of pros and cons of piracy. You know, I, I definitely have a love-hate relationship with it. But there's one industry that I will always, always encourage. The gaming industry. Oh, 1,000%. I am not a gamer myself, but the business practices that I just hear about are just appalling. I'm also very disheartened when I see what's going on with vintage gaming and collecting. Oh yeah, hundred like, percent. How do it's like people can't have fun anymore because everyone's just worried about like you know amassing these games that have quote unquote you know these big value things. When at the end of the day, it's like it's only because these these companies won't release it again. 
Um, ob uh, objectively, and uh, if people can feel free to to like disagree with this opinion, but I will say objectively, stealing pirating old games is a morally correct thing to do. And I say this because the developers are no longer like manufacturing and producing them and like distributing them. So unless they're gonna like unless they do like some remaster or some re-release thing, um, taking old games and from the from somebody's collection like uh, across the internet, you know, like file sharing it and playing it is only taking money out of the hands of people who have either scalped them or people who are trying to predatorily collect them. That is it. So like. There's there's no downside or no negative in in pirating old old video games in my opinion. Oh, definitely. You know, it's like I, I just see all these things where all these high priced games that are old games, and I'm just like, why? Like, right. especially the people who really just want to play these old games. Like you'll see people who are like, yeah, I still have this vintage, you know, uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, and like all these games, bro, I'll sell it to you for like six hundred dollars. And it's like, uh, how about no? I'll spend exactly three minutes on the internet and be playing it. Like, no good. I'm good, bro. Like, right. Also, why are GameCube King GameCube games the most expensive things in existence? Sometimes I don't know if it's spe like specifically a thing about like. GameCube games, but I know that Nintendo doesn't drop the prices for any of their products often. You know, like they are about their money hardcore. Well, I'm just thinking like the old, like old games though. Like for, I, anytime I see a GameCube game, it's just wildly priced, and I'm just like, is there something about this specific system that was that special? Because it seems like, 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 like there's older gen console games from from that company that don't even go for as much as some of these games. It's like, man. It seems like they should just put the games out. Yeah, like they should just uh, like oh, like start up the old machines and start manufacturing GameCubes again. No, like honestly, it's like why don't they have their own version of Netflix where they just upload all their old catalog? Mm, I mean, they don't they they don't do it for GameCube, but they do it for like the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. So, well, well, Callie has a Switch. Should we and. Uh, so so I I have access to like the older system games and the libraries aren't that big. No, they're not. And I think it's a step in the right direction. But I I think they could, you know, kind of speed it up and make it a bit better. Maybe include more games. Yeah. I, mean, I I get that takes time, but it seems like they wouldn't have a problem pulling it off. Yeah, I mean with how easy it is to emulate the old hardware, I mean if they're ever like, oh man, you know, our new stuff is like, we have to overprice it just to like break even. Or, you know, you have all these stories about them manufacturing and then selling uh, consoles at like a deficit just to get them out there so people buy games so they can, you know, go in the black or whatever. It's like, I, it's not a lot of work for them to uh, port all these old, old, old games onto whatever the current system is, you know? So I feel like they could spend a little bit of money doing that, you know, and then boom sales for stuff you've already created two decades ago or, so side or note there is a um tiktok i stumbled upon because i spend way too much time on tiktok uh there was a collector who had every console and every variant of each console no hell no and, and he he was selling it <laughs> For some Wait. reason, he like he decided he was they were they were gonna sell it, and I I don't know if they put it on eBay or whatever, but the starting bid was like over nine hundred thousand euros because they were in Europe. And I was like, man, a million dollars 
for a bunch of consoles you probably don't play. Nah. See, like, that's what I'm talking about, dude. Just million dollars, fuck that. Just steal the shit. It's like, well, no, they have every flavor of the physical console, though. Like, they had all the variants of colors and all that. I do not care. No. (laughs) It's like, that's just a lot of space taken up. He could have spent 50 grand on them consoles. And I'd be like, no, fuck that. A million dollars? You tripping. Well, the interesting thing about pirating older games is it's probably the one of the best ways for people to archive games that could have may have been lost yeah i remember you were telling me a story about how um so i don't know if you were if it was you or somebody else they were saying that there was a company that they uh they had lost the source code for the game and they had to find someone who actually like had it pirated um I don't remember what game or what company it was, but I don't, I don't, that, that story doesn't sound all too familiar. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say it probably wasn't me, but it's, it's, it sounds exactly like something that has happened. Like I've heard of people of uh, developers losing source code and not being able to make their old video games again, but I've never heard of someone reaching out to somebody to like, cause like the source code is different from the, um, the game release. You know, if it, if it was that easy, then they'd just be like, all right, well, I'm going on the internet and pirate my own shit to get it. You know, the source code is something else. Or, or I, maybe it was they just didn't have the game period in any format. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, wait a second, let's check the internet. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, also, I think it's interesting because I, um, I was, um, so if you follow my music, uh, I did a little series that I that stopped very early on that I'm going to bring back. It's called Flipping Final Fantasy, where I you know make beats out of the Final Fantasy music from all the different games. And when I was trying to look for like images to use in my videos, I stumbled upon all these really weird like mods for the game. And I don't mean weird like you know there's a lot of strange mods. All these mods were along the lines of like, oh hey, I fixed these bugs in improved gameplay, and I was like. Why don't we have more of this on like a uh, on like a, a legal scale? Like how are how are people not like doing this on the regular? Like this is this isn't like music or movies. Uh, someone's like changing, improving old games. Like why why don't we why don't people like why don't these companies look more into doing stuff like that? Because honestly, I think I never really got into video games, but there's something about old video games I think is better than the current landscape of gaming. Well, to my understanding, when they do like remasters, they they do fix or improve the code. You know, it's like it, gaming from an era where they didn't have like digital updates that they could push to your consoles. I I think when they remaster anything from back then, they do look at it and try to fix it a little bit more. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's that's like a blanket term because like what was it? Rockstar ported like the gta vice city san andreas and three all all to the ps5 and they didn't put in any effort <laughs> well there's terrible, a, but. well there's a lot of people i know have been questioning the remasters mm-hmm. to where they're not as good as the original game like honestly i think and I, and I know this is a big complaint but there's a bit too much focus on like like visual video quality like there was somebody talk about how um hyper-realism in graphics is kind of hindering a lot of games from being good because there's more focus on that. Also, the file sizes are huge because, you know, 
they're they're making them too realistic. Hyper realism is terrible. Stop making video games where it's just like there's an actual person on my screen. Like World of Warcraft had the shittiest cartoony graphics of like any game on the internet, and it's like, all right, well, that's existed for more than a decade and is like wildly popular and like carried a whole fucking company. So like, why do we have like they're not trying to make that hyper realistic? Right. Also, also, a lot of the hyper realistic games I've been hearing, everyone's like, they look nice, but the gameplay sucks. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. Is it because I don't know? I don't know if there's like limitations to it after they go for the hyper realism. Because I'm like, oh well, we can't make it too like outlandish and cartoonish because it wouldn't fit the hyper real character model. You know. Also, it's taking style out of the picture. Yeah. Like everybody doesn't have to like look like realistic like humans in real places. It's yeah. like man, sometimes the really unique art designs. Yep. There, there's no like iconic figures anymore. I mean, yeah, the, you, I shouldn't say there's no iconic figures. I mean, like there, there's no artistic difference between the figures anymore. It's just this is real person in whatever narrative, and this is another real person in whatever narrative. There's nothing that really differentiates the characters other than like the same things that differentiate you from me. This is this is another reason why I advocate for like pirating games to an extent, you know, because it's like, well, if they put all their money into the visual effects and the gameplay is probably going to suck, you're going to want to know that before you waste any money on it. Right. That makes sense. I mean, there's there's another angle to it, too, as to why like piracy in the video game industry specifically is good. And it's it's been backed by like uh, smaller developers because they understand it's like, oh, man, maybe I just ain't got money to just be blowing it on stuff like gambling, essentially, to see if like it's a quality product. Um, but a lot of times they'll see that like or the reality of the situation is if somebody's going to pirate your game, they weren't going to buy it in the first place. So you're expanding your game to a market where at least maybe, you know, those those pirates will turn into sales. Because, like, I'll, I'll, full disclosure, I mean, I won't listen to anything in particular because I don't, I'm not trying that to get trouble like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that might implicate <laughs> me. But, <laughs> but I have uh, acquired a video game, right? And I felt the quality of it was so damn high that I bought it for myself. I bought it for myself on another uh, console. I bought it for three friends. Like that piracy translated to like six sales at full retail price. So like, was it really bad? Who who really got robbed here? Like, right? They still made their money. Yeah, I think it's uh Oh, I've also been. Uh, I've seen several videos talk about how um how it was interesting. How the Dreamcast was like the games were so easy to pirate that it was just <laughs> insane. Maybe, maybe that's why I've never like heard of anybody who's like, yeah, man, I used to play Dreamcast all the fucking time because they never actually had a physical one. They just pirated all the old games. Like even back when it was around, you could literally just burn Dreamcast discs. <laughs> like apparently it was super easy. That's funny. Well, I mean, at least you had to buy the console. Right. You had to have the console. I don't know. All in all, uh, yeah. Say video games, it's like. They make enough money as it is. They also they also definitely really try to exploit people. Oh, speaking of, apparently I think um they're trying to pass a law or something like that where um they're gonna force any game with the uh, loot crates to be labeled AO because loot crates is like a form of actual gambling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm one hundred percent in favor of that. Anything to limit the amount of uh actual 
harmful effects that video games have. Like, I mean, we we have billboards everywhere about gambling addiction. You know, I, I mean, it's a wonder why we leave casinos up. But anyways, we have all of these issues with gambling addiction. And then we have it in video game form and people were like, just okay with it for years. You know, I'm like, ah, you should probably have some serious warning, like the, the same type of thing that you would do with like uh, alcohol, you know, people can get addicted to that, you know, so why aren't we, you know, at least trying to restrain it a little bit. All the, all this piracy talk and all this talk about video games, but like fuck mobile games entirely. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> 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 I just had to slide the, what, that the ones there. where you have to spend money all Dude, the time for real every time i hear about somebody spending oodles of money on a fucking mobile game i'm like dude why why anything <laughs> would be better than this like smoke crack bro please <laughs> there's there's this uh <laughs> there's this youtuber who was like playing what was a diablo immortal or whatever whatever because blizzard was like yeah mobile games will break into the chinese market anyways uh, this dude was talking about like the pay to play versus like the free to play uh, aspects of it, and he was talking about how he spent like over six figures on the game. I mean, obviously he's a rich dude; he can afford the shit. But I'm like, dude, why? No video game on earth is worth six figures. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, other than that, I think um, piracy is totally fine with me if something is just not widely available, like. I'm big into film. There are some filmmakers who have like early films that were never released. And if I find it, I download it. I actually have, I have one that I downloaded recently. Um, and I have no problem talking about this, but it's, uh, uh, if anybody's a, a fan of Edgar Wright, he, he did like Shaun of the dead, hot fuzz, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, he has a his very first film was a super low budget western, and he's never released it. And anytime it's popped up online, he's had it like taken down with a copyright strike. But I but I found it. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> yeah, apparently he wants to do like an actual like official Blu-ray release with commentary and special features and all that. But I was like, I gotta watch this movie, and I found it. I haven't watched it yet, but there's also a. Um, um oh a student film spike lee did that was never on anything but like it was it wasn't even released it was on vhs at one point and was mainly found in libraries wow uh it's in the uh (laughs) i think it's it's in the library of congress oddly enough and i'm just like why isn't it just everywhere like put it out or something but i found it i found i found a digital copy of it online so downloaded it if i can't if i can't find it or if there's like music that just doesn't like has never been released, like uh, one of my favorite rappers is Aesop Rock. His very first project has never been made officially released ever because the producer of that project uh, is one of those tools who's like, oh, I like the rarity of it. And, you know, the the scarce amount of physical copies go for so much online. And I'm just like, dude, just put the put it out. Dude, honestly, like that's the other thing man hoarding something just because it's like oh it's gonna be more valuable because i'll be the only one who has it like are you a fucking dragon like do you have to rest on a bed of gold or something well, he like, has like well it's not only he has the masters to that album but he also has like other unreleased stuff it's like just put the music out like aside from what was you know they they made 200 copies of cds back in the day and those float around and usually sell for a couple hundred bucks a piece if they turn up 
But I was like, dude, just put it out. It's the digital age, bro. It's been 25 years. Literally, it came out in 97. It's been 25 years and still nothing. But I don't know. This isn't just like a blanket advocation for all piracy. Because I know there's people out there who are just like, I'm just going to steal it because I don't want to pay for it. Like, I mean, the reality of the situation is you can't really like make any argument for that for or against them because they're going to do it regardless of what you have to say about it. But the, I would say that there are plenty of justifications, less oh, so yeah. for other industries, but definitely a shit ton of justifications for like the video game industry specifically. Also, if you can support open source software. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of alternatives to the big expensive software that are just as good that are low cost or free. Like I use a, uh, to mix and master the podcast, I use a program called Reaper and uh, that's actually as interesting story. That was, that program was written by the dude who made Winamp. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I remember Winamp. Yeah. Apparently they released an updated ver like a, a new version of it. Not like an updated version, but it's like, it's not like really new or anything, but it's like compatible with the recent OS. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, uh, he was using another software because he did music as a hobby or whatever. He didn't like it, so he just coded his own recording program. <laughs> and now it's gotten to the point where it's like it, it, in regards with all the other top programs. Well, I think we can call that good. So uh, yeah, I guess the moral of the story is um, piracy bad, but sometimes do it. Yeah, theft is good in moderation. <laughs> theft is good in moderation. <laughs> you wouldn't download a Tesla, would you? Yeah, fuck yes, I would. <laughs> oh, man. Well, all right. That's the show, everybody. If you want to follow us on social media, which I'm really bad at updating these days for some reason, it's at PNTS Pod. Uh, I'm definitely going to try to get more of that going soon. I just got to find slices of time to where I can cut clips and have snippets for people to listen to. But thank you to the the you know tens of listeners we get every so often because during that month that we were gone we still got like eight listens or something like that. I mean during our year or during our year break we still got like <laughs> listens like you know a couple listens at least weekly, which is wild. Um, if you want to follow my music, which I'm definitely trying to get back in the swing of things, uh, it's just been hectic life, so I'm definitely gonna be putting out more music, more videos. Uh, follow me at BTQ Paul. If you want to listen to my other podcast, The K-Cut, which has yet to miss a week somehow. Yes, sir. We're always on it. Uh, all our sources are at The K-Cut. If you want to find Greg, you open up your, you know, find your laptop from 2006, open up LimeWire, search for the file greg underscore mocha bear dot exe. There it is. <laughs> Pirate me. <laughs> Download that file. I promise it's not a virus. It's always, it's so funny where you have the mp3.exe, like, mm. <laughs> and people still opened it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> LimeWire, the greatest application. Just, oh, this looks nice. Hey, we need a new computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, everybody, that's the show. And as I always like to say, collaboration breeds community. Stay hustling and stay hydrated. Peace. <laughs>